brush moves across the canvas like so painting a picture color a show something so pure exactly 44 minutes on the clock here um, because I don't have enough space in my mixer and we don't have the most time so let's just get right to it Mike so I would say this, this is a perfect example of what I feel like I'm stepping into right now is I told you that I had 45 minutes to talk before we start recording and if that's what your mixer or the amount of space you have is the same amount, well, it's just a, a, a just a, a demonstration of the integration of this little journey which I'm on right now. Mm. So I'm in the truck driving down to Charlotte for the evening, Charlotte, North Carolina. And then tomorrow I'm meeting up with Ross Ben for two days in South Carolina. And then I'm heading down to West Palm Beach, Florida. Beautiful. And this has been, this is, for me, it feels like the, I've been talking about this for a little bit of time, about like kind of stepping into a different sort of flow with life. And I mean, sometimes I move fast and sometimes I move slow, but I always move I always move to the rhythm I know. So, like, this is how it unfolds. So today is the day in which it's kind of like uh, I'm stepping into it. And it's uh, it feels um, electric from my perspective. Right on. So how about yourself, Mark? Well, I'm prepared. I'm excited to talk about Pennsylvania Stonehenge. I hope that's still somewhat on your mind. But uh, as far as how has life been, life's been slow. Everything's just been moving at a slow pace over the past few uh, weeks, but that's okay. Things are slowing down. It's, it's correspondent with, uh, with nature. Well, that is for certain. That is definitely for certain. I had a conversation with someone today who, in, who said to me, uh, they said that uh, they're dropping like flies in, uh, in Ireland. She's in South Carolina. And, and she's talking about people not. All of the deaths are beginning. And, uh, and the reason I bring this up is because you're like, sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's slow. Uh, <clears throat> And, and my general thought is, my general thought is like, you know, that sort of narrative I've, you know, if you've been listening, that, that's been said, it's, it's been around the corner uh, at every given moment. Whatever given moment in time we're at, like, it's around the corner. And it's always like, you know, there's some place on the other side of, of Earth where, uh, where the thing is beginning. And, you know, I've... I've I've been down enough rabbit holes to recognize that usually that's just 
you know, something. But I usually think it's just talk. And what, what I suggested to her is that um, she start keeping uh, a death count. Because I asked her, I'm like, well, have you seen an uptick in, in, in deaths in your immediate life? And she said, yes. Well, okay, well, who was it? She's like, oh, it was a friend's neighbor. I'm like, all right, so not really someone in your life, but one standard deviation from, like, your actual circles. But the point I'm trying to make is uh, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there are two things which are kind of unfolding, or at least which I'm seeing from my perspective. And one of it, it one of the things which I'm seeing is just what you're talking about uh, in, in your own life is the slowness. And I know that I have felt that that's what I was talking about in terms of I've been talking about stepping into a different flow for about six months now. And, you know, it took about six months of it being slow before all of a sudden, like it, it's, it feels like now I've like reached the peak and it's really fast going downhill. And the other thing, so the, the second point is this talk that, Everything is going to get real crazy, real fast, and maybe that's going to be true, or maybe that maybe that's not going to be. But to have some degree of awareness of whatever it is you're tracking, you know, so that that you'll know, you'll, you'll be able to recognize the signs when um, when when you, we move from a, a, a slow period to a fast period. I just felt like I wanted to share that right now. Mm, yeah, that's interesting to, to hear. You know, it sounded like a, a lot. And then with one question, the exaggeration was clarified down to a friend of a friend. So I don't know if that... So it's, it's that and, and maybe that's something. I mean, that that's the... That, I mean, we're, the reason I'm bringing this up is like... It, uh, there are two narratives. There's the narrative which we experience, and the narrative which, uh, and the narrative we experience. We're the only narrator, in it. and then the narrative which we get from, you know, from other sources. Most of us from like the internet or like from the news or something like that, something uh, outside of oneself. And I think the one that really matters is your own experience, and then to be able to have the, the ability to navigate through, uh, you know, what is what is actually happening and what is just like kind of like storytelling, which can then impact your own story uh, or your own life experience. Uh, being able to, to recognize and ask the questions and, and, and being able to have like a, a, a clear, as clear of a perspective as you can get, it can only be so clear. Um, is, is uh, at least for me, is an important skill to to be, be honing. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I don't know how uh, how I, I, I've been uh, in comparison to that. I haven't really noticed anybody passing, other than like the celebrity. Uh, news there's been a few no, notable celebrities that have died recently but uh i think that, that those were drug related deaths um are there, are there something like i mean any like any time i mean this is my take 
Uh, and, and, and first off, before I go on my take, I agree with you. I haven't seen anything like that. I've all, the only thing which I know which is consistent is that people are always saying that, but I've still yet to see that in my life. But that doesn't mean that it couldn't be around the corner. Uh, who knows? Um, but the, the, the celebrity deaths, like, you know, what even is that? Like, is it like what you're saying? Like, well, it's, it's a, 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 a fast light, a, 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 a common effect of a fast, unhealthy, sick lifestyle. Is it, is it a Hollywood hit? Is it just made up shit? Like, who knows? And like, that would be like one of those, uh, because I love getting, I love getting information from, from the the media and pop and the popular news sources because it provides like points of reference. But then to not get caught up and to be able to really be able to 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 recognize what you know and what you don't know and what you're what you're internalizing and what you're not is how you navigate and differentiate. Uh, what you're going to actually be experiencing. Hmm. I agree. So who is this friend? I feel like we got uh, off track a little bit. I, I'm expecting to talk about the Stonehenge. And you're... We're going to hit Stonehenge. Don't <laughs> worry. If, if we are at 20 minutes in and we haven't touched Stonehenge, let me know. And then we'll immediately stop and pivot to Stonehenge because that that ties in completely. Well, you know, you know me, Mike. I'm a little bit fixated on geography, and you mentioned that this person who said that people were dropping like flies is in North Carolina, but they were talking about oh, they're in South Carolina, but they're talking about Ireland. Are they are they Irish expatriate? What's uh? I got no idea. I think they probably have a friend who might be uh, in Ireland or has some sort of personal connection to it. So it's another friend of a friend, hmm, okay. which may be, which may be an accurate description, or it may be a telephone tag, as they used to call it. Hmm. Well, but we are talking about uh, we are talking about lines. So this will be our pivot to the stone. Because I do agree with you. I, I got you excited by mentioning Stonehenge the last time we spoke. We're going to talk about it. And the interesting, um, the interesting uh, 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 stone structures which they built, the right. megalithic structures. It's a megalithic park in, uh, I guess it would be technically the, the, the Poconos. Okay. I think it would fall within that region. Uh, I'm not an expert in terms of like the, the subtle textures of, of how they differentiate that part of uh, of Pennsylvania north of the Allentown, but there is a uh, there's a megalithic park. It's called I think I'm going to pronounce it correctly. Column Seal C U L you call C U L C O L U M C-I-L-E, that's how I think it's spelled. If you typed in, like, Megalithic Park, and close to those letters, I'm certain you're going to be able to pull it up. And it is probably a five-acre park. It's 
private, but it's open to the public, of these megalithic structures. And the people whose land it's on, the house, they have a house which is adjacent to the megalithic park. I believe they're the ones who built it. I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not the, the, the right person to tell the history of, of what this megalithic park, how it came to being. You know, I've been to it, but I don't know how it happened. But my guess is it was probably made over the last 20 years or so. It's exquisite. Like, it's really, really well done. Um, what do they call it? Dolmers? Is that what it's called? Where you have, like, the rock structure, the, the two standing stones, and then the like a ceiling placed upon the top of them. Mm. That's a dolmen. Dolmen. Dolmen, yes. So there's like dolmens there, which are easily 10 feet uh, off the ground, large stones. There's a, uh, there's a labyrinth. There's a masonry chapel with all sorts of Rosicrucian symbology, like uh, etched into the stones. Uh, the whole thing is just fantastic, but it's not. So this is the question I have. Like I, 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 it's pretty obvious that it was modern or contemporarily made by, I'm assuming, uh, human hands with modern machinery. Uh, but the things which I find interesting, um, what I find most interesting, and what I want to talk to you about, is we both know that these megalithic structures are also found uh, not just in this Pocono region, but really in New England uh, and further down south, including like parts of Pennsylvania and parts of New York State, where there are these uh, prehistoric, so before the history of, uh, of megalithic structures of these same sort of uh, styles. And so... And I remember we once both talked about this one presentation we saw. It was a Facebook presentation where there were pictures of a lot of these actual megalithic structures in Pennsylvania. But in the presentation, the locations were not released because the owners of the property did not want to you know, attract a lot of attention. But there's a, this mixture. Like, you know, what happens... Now, does anything happen? Like, what is the significance? What's your thoughts on the significance of these structures in general? So that's the first thing I want to talk about. And then secondly, I want to tie this back into a presentation which was done by Ross Ben, who I'm going to go see tomorrow, about ley line manipulation done through urban geomancy which connects through Philadelphia through some of the some of his you know the work which he's revealed through the public artwork in Philadelphia. How there's this one point which con connects to the ley line which goes from Stonehenge in the United Kingdom all the way down through uh, uh, all the way down through uh, like Mexico. I think it's called the City Ley Line is one of the ley the lines which uh, are the names of it, but that connects by a pentagram to the same megalithic structure which is found in Pennsylvania. Hmm. All right. 
so I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm offering it to you to kind of like wax on or ask questions to go deeper to, uh, to advance along this. Well, from what I read here, it says that uh, Bill Cohia, Bill Cohia, visited Iona in uh, Scotland, Scottish Isle of Iona, and he was inspired to come back and create these stone structures on his property. So that that's the that's the story. 1978 was when this project started, and. Uh, there's over 90 stone uh, structures throughout the, the park now. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they try to write these things off as, you know, oh, well, the guy went to this, you know, foreign place and is inspired and came back here. You know, the same way that they talk about Frank Lloyd Wright being inspired by Japanese architecture, but they don't mention maybe the feng shui aspects of it, right? Whereas, who knows, this guy, I mean, they only have two sentences about uh, Mr. Kohia, but he could have been well aware of the gridding and mound gridding and ley lines and maybe even uh, subscribe to the theory that ancient Scots and Irishmen were in this part of the world building these structures. I mean, this dolmen is huge. Did you... Uh, did you go to the one titled Thor's Gate? Is that one of the ones you saw, Mike? Well, there are only probably like 20, so I saw them all. Like, I saw everything there, but yes. Okay. I think I even sent you a picture. Yeah, you did, you did. I just wasn't, uh... Yeah, I see Thor's Gate on, uh, on this website here. So the things which I find is interesting, I first want to respond to that. Like, I mean, my thought is, I always go to, you know, the general Occam's Razor principle. Occam's razor is a is a um, it's a tricky principle to fall back upon, but like in its most basic level, is like you know before jumping into maybe the juiciest, most interesting interpretation, uh, going to something more grounded. And my guess is like you know uh, he's a regular guy and not a druid high priest, so he could be. Um, and the nature of the area because I was, that's why I was indicating earlier about like the area has an established history of these structures are already in the landscape. You couple that with whatever naturally was awoken, you know, let's assume like that story is completely on the up and up. Like, you know, you go and you see something and you're inspired. Like, you know, what exactly is the inspirational process? Like, you know, something within the individual comes alive, something which you did not see before, and then suddenly there's like a, a, a direction, uh, an understanding, uh, a, a movement which did not exist prior to the inspiration, which moves someone to, to do something. I mean, that's true for any type of inspiration. And... Even more specifically, you often hear that as a phrase, like an inspirational work, uh, particularly as it might relate to a, a work of art or a work of music, something like that. But it's a, a general statement, which is like, I don't know how or why this came from, but it came from somewhere, you know, deep from within or somewhere out there, whatever language you want to use. 
but it's unexplainable where this came from. But it undoubtedly came. Uh, it all, it undoubtedly came to the individual who's responsible for the work. You know, mm. this came about. Like, I, I think this is. Um, so I'm, I, I, I personally am intrigued by just like that process, and then I also want to, uh, when when looking at what was created there and maybe juxtaposing it to, I don't know what it's called, but there's uh, a, a pretty amazing uh, megalithic park in, I think it's south of Miami or it's somewhere in Florida, Coral which Castle? this guy built it. I'm sorry? You're thinking of Coral Castle? Is that what it's called? So comparing this, like, in a general sense to, like, what that guy went through. Like, the Coral Castle comes with the story of the guy having uh, knowledge of an ancient technology in order to build it. Right? Like, is that built into the story? I don't know. But that, that always, that's what interests me or, like, builds my curiosity. And then when you couple it with... Um, with that, that pentagram, which Ross Ben identified, which Colin, which Colin Seal is one of the points of, you know, how does that fit in? I mean, I don't have answers to that. I just find those interesting questions. And particularly for those listeners who find themselves in the, in the Northeast and probably get there, um, from, I would say it's about an hour, maybe 90 minutes from New York City, 90 minutes from Philadelphia. You know, that, not that far from Boston or, or any of the other East Coast cities. Like, it's a pretty cool trip. Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. That's Columcile uh, Megalith Park in Bangor, Pennsylvania. Not Bangor, Correct, Maine. Bangor. Or Bangor, I don't know. I, I've never heard it said, so I don't. Really, I don't even know how well, to pronounce it. In Maine, in Maine, they say Bangor, and that's is that what they say? Well, that's probably close, right? Yeah, but, and, but you know, two different places. Maybe they have a, a Pennsylvania way of saying Bangor. <laughs> Bangor. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, I bet you, I, I'm curious. They're closer than from far away, like Pennsylvania. In the grand scheme of things, like Pennsylvania and Maine are neighbors compared to. Right, right, right. Well, that being said, Pennsylvania and Florida are sort of neighbors, and and we have these really strange stone structures uh, all along the East Coast. I mean, that's just two of, I'm sure, others. So, yeah, that would be, like, fun lines to play with. Mm. Like, those are, like, markers. Like, almost like uh, being inspired by by Peter Shampoo's approach. Of like beginning to apply geometries, overlapping over top some of these these like megalithic parks. Like I mean, I can think of three off the top of my head right now in the East Coast. Uh, the uh, um, where was the Georgia Guidestones, um, Columseal, and now this and Coral Castle. Like how many others? Like, I don't know what all the other ones. But like, do they relate? What's a triangle look like? I don't know, but. But that sort of stuff, I think, is is a. I don't think it's necessarily solving a mystery as much as it is um, integrating a consciousness or a perspective into the landscape 
And when you begin doing that, you begin seeing that in all parts of your life. You know, you become attuned to that channel of perception. Mm. I think so. I think the mapping it out part has been difficult because, for us because every time we set out to, to map something, we find new things to put on the map. So it's just sort of like a ever-expanding thing that, uh, I don't know, feels like a lot to, to keep up with. But last time we went... I would do it. I have no interest in doing that. Like, what I think what we do is we inspire. Mm. Right? Like, everyone, like, think about, the, think about uh, esoteric America. Yes. And all of the people who are coming into, like, anyone who listens to my show and your show and esoteric America or Ross Benning's show or, like, anything like that, we're beginning to attune consciousness in a way to understand land stories. Hmm. Like, I don't have any interest in, like, I've already, I've already, like, I've already done, Mike's already written his dissertation, <laughs> right? And so what we're doing is, it's not like one person who is responsible because it's, no one wants to be responsible for all of them. This is what you were saying. Like, you know, one more thing is, what I think is happening is, like, adding ideas into the consciousness, whether there's someone who's listening to the show uh, next week or, or six months after we did this recording, and maybe this hits their backyard. You know what I mean? Like every single time that that someone goes from listening to, to this type of perception mm. of reality and then moving from being a passive listener to an active participant, doesn't matter how. It matters that someone's no longer sitting on the TV, like just watching it. They're like in, in the game. And so when they're in the game, now suddenly life begins to move differently for them. So there's that personal, there's that personal sort of like feedback loop. And there's also like collective feedback loop that when when a, when a critical mass is reached of a way of understanding and perceiving reality, well then a shift happens on a much grander scale. That's the whole sort of like hundred monkey idea. That's the four minute mile uh, uh, narrative in this land story sort of uh, 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 theater. Theater. I'm with it. I'm I'm following, I think. <laughs> you still there, Mike? I think we lost you. Unless you're unless you're silent right now. Oh, you're muted. I think you're you're unintentionally muted. I'll ask you to unmute. Well, maybe you're looking at the photo I sent you. Um, Tara and I, in that theater of, of discovery, went on a hike 
to a place called Flanders uh, Nature Center, Flanders Conservatory, and found a, a, a couple of strange things. Can you hear me, Mike? You there still? Yeah, I sent him the picture of the Manitou Stone. Uh, for the folks listening at home, I sent Mike a picture. I wonder maybe if he got disconnected from the Zoom when he went to go and look at the picture. I don't know. Uh, I hope not. He is driving, so... Wish him the best and hope he, he gets back with us here. Maybe just lost uh, connection momentarily. I'm hearing you now. Hello. Can you hear me now? Yeah, you you were muted there. Did you intentionally mute? No. Hmm. No, it's um. Have you ever done too many things at once on your phone? Yeah. And then none of them work out well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm driving. The sun's in my eyes. I don't know where I'm going. I'm oh, talking no. to you on the phone. And then I and another I thought I put off I did not realize I answered another call and then I put you on mute and I'm trying to figure out my phone while I'm doing all the other stuff in my crash. But I'm back. You're back. Okay, cool. Well, Where I, were we? I was filibustering for for time while you were gone. I was telling That's why you're a pro, Mark. I was telling the folks about how I sent you a photo of a Manitou stone that Tara and I found. Was that the was that the Big Dipper? No, no. So this is a new one we found. So I just sent it to you right now. It probably I, I wouldn't advise you to go and look at your your photos. I'm not done. So, um, but later you'll see it. What we found is a stone about the size of a head, not quite the entire shape and roundness of a skull, but like head shaped. You know, like a, and the size of a head uh, and it had two sort of carved out areas that were like eye sockets a sort of defined nose and jaw and, and even like a what looked like lips and this is a a piece of white quartz stone not like crystal quartz but like just you know you run-of-the-mill white quartz and it looks like a face and I see it in the sort of leaves and I'm like huh look at this so I pick it up and it's I mean big it fits in the size of my palm which is saying a lot I have huge hands but um we think it's a Manitou stone and these stones were all over New England uh according to some books we've read as can you define what a what that stone is and say the word slowly because I'm not certain what you're saying yeah Manitou Manitou, okay. or Manitou. Um, and what does that mean? It means spirit, or entity, deity even, depending on which tribe you're asking. But Manitou typically was like a spiritual word. There's a bunch of words that have that prefix of Manitou. Um, you know, Manitou Lin, Manitou, you know, all kinds of different uh, suffixes that are added to that but the Manitou stones were basically white quartz stones that were shaped like humans 
So they'd have like maybe shoulders and a head, like a profile, or it'd be like a head-shaped stone. Um, and that's what we found. And you found that this recently? Yeah, this was like a week or so ago, and we were just driving, went to a coffee shop that ended up being closed. So I said, okay, let's go to this other place. And on our way from one to the other, we stopped at this little uh, nature conservatory place that had a couple of stone structures. One that Tara found, a stone circle, sort of like a... Maybe four times the width of, like, a stone fireplace. You ever see, like, the, the typical stone fireplace, usually, like, a, a foot in diameter? This was, like, four or five feet in diameter. So it, I thought maybe it could have been the base of a, some sort of structure. Uh, there's a bunch of stone rows all over the area, and then two stone cairns that we found, um, which are just... Basically, what you described earlier in uh, what we were watching in that Facebook video presentation, they were highlighting the stone cairns and stone walls, I believe, on that property. So we found some here, and, I mean, there's one of many, but it's just so cool. Like, you know, we didn't look up that nature center in a book or something and we just randomly went there and found all this stuff so okay all right i want to i want to loop this back now um okay this is becoming more and more common occurrence for you right oh yeah like you you told us the story of the, the big dipper stone and you're 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 finding you're you're, you're finding these things you're seeing them and and there was a point in your life where you worked, correct? Yeah. Or at least not to this frequency. So you are you're you're demonstrating what's happening when when consciousness becomes more and more aligned to land stories. Like you know, you're making maps, you're like into this stuff, and you're like you're reading, you're reading books and talking to people. And now suddenly, like in your regular life, you're beginning to see like you know these, these meaningful stone markers, something uh, which is um, outside of the electromagnetic uh, spectrum of human sight, mm. you know, the invisible world. So that's happened. Now the reason why I think this is significant, this is what I was talking about earlier in terms of. Um, you know, people beginning to looking at at their landscape with new eyes and, and being inspired, like to go and do like as I was saying, like math. It doesn't matter what you do. What you're doing is you're applying your rational, creative mind to this to like the landscape, whether that's just looking, starting with looking at Google Earth or walking around your backyard or neighborhood or city, whatever, whatever that would be. So you're beginning to embody like that sort of experience. And then what is all of this? Like, what's the point? Is the point to go and find like all of these stones? I don't think that's the point at all. I think what the point is, is like the, the, the finding the stones are a demonstration or a proof that like, okay, like, like I'm tapped in on a level I wasn't at. What am I tapped into? I'm tapped into life on earth. 
like not within the system, not within the, the, the internet narrative, not within the celebrity death narrative, but like in this sort of, uh, whether we call it ley lines or land stories, whatever that is, you're beginning to become connected on that level. And what that indicates is as the natural unfolding of life, particularly now, like this the whole like, your handbook to the apocalypse. What apocalypse? The, the crash of the old way into trying to build a new way of being. As we move into like what a new way of living looks like, and what a new way of living looks like means you can't have a plan for it, because otherwise, if you had a plan for it, you're basing it upon the old way. You have to have a new way of being moved throughout the throughout life, mm. and. And, and anyone else who's doing this type of work, like the doing the work is the alignment of at the level of reality where these land, where these what we call ley lines, or, or these this invisible web. There's all sorts of Carlos Constant, all of his language. It's all pointing to the same sort of stuff. Those are the invisible threads of unknowable continuity that move us into and through the unknown. And that shows itself in a very, very real way, which is, this is how you're living your life. Why we do what we do. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it definitely, it, it's overwhelming when you think, okay, I'm gonna go I, now, I gotta map out every single rock. But you're right; it's not about that. It's about it's not. It's what happens when you do that. Right. It's applying like everyone has a rational mind and imaginatory mind, and that is where your reality is created. That is baseline human experience, and wherever you put your rational mind. Mind, your life will unfold within that context. Why the false reality is always trying to pull you into it. It doesn't matter what you put it on. It doesn't matter if it's real, fake, or what have you. Like that's going to be your life. <laughs> that's how the game works. The game of being alive, tied to a human body, with solid ground beneath the sky above your head. Whatever the hell this is, that's that's how it works not a problem of how it works it's a description so then when we go into the taking that abstract idea and go into the actual experience of being alive you're like well where do i want to go and apply this this understanding i want to apply it on this kind of like as as the baseline reality the actual world or at least closer to that level that's a more baseline level than Oh, um, Aaron Carter died in the drug overdose because Brian Austin Green's wife is a reincarnated bullet witch or something. Or whatever the hell that shit is. Like, when the more you put into that, like the more that becomes your life, the more you're feeding a certain system. But it does teach you a way of seeing like subliminals. But applying those subliminals on a more basic level, right. such as stones, landscape curvatures, and so forth. Like, then you're pulled through life on that foundation. Right. That's what we're all about. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good foundation to have in uh, a world of 
alternative conspiracy volatile information groups with all sorts of duplicitous ideas and malignant intentions you know i i feel like being a conspiracy podcaster you could get lost in the sea very easily and uh 100% and this this like local research has kind of kept me grounded you know like instead of like being lost in like some alien conspiracy or something like it's so tangible it's in our you know it's under the leaves we'll trip over them if we're not careful you know so other than the conspiracy that's in your face that's the one that you know about that you actually see and i and i mean like that's going to meet each person for how they understand the 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 cultural reality um when you when I say you, I mean any individual. When an individual begins, like they move from not having a conspiratorial mindset to having a conspiratorial mindset, um, like there things are happening, and so what's happening is on the most basic level, um, the most basic level. Uh, I mean, this is the truth. Uh, there are many, 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 many quote-unquote conspiracy theories which are just like total bullshit like segments of someone's imagination not true misinformation counterintelligence whatever the hell you want to call it like that's a good part of it um there's also a solid part which is like this is like the background story which is different than what you've been told like that's true as well but the bigger truth is they're only just narratives like when you find out like like the the U.S. banking system isn't what you think it is. Families created it, Jekyll Island, in, in, in 1911. And, and you find out about that. Like, the only thing that really changes for the individual who did not have that in their mind prior to is that they suddenly have a new perspective. The only fucking thing that's changed. Nothing else has changed other than their minds has changed and how they understood is the story of money and then as that perspective is changed with it maybe their actions may begin to change so at the most basic level by getting in conspiratorial mindset is part of the awakening process and what it does is it teaches someone to begin to realize oh there are other ways that there are more than one ways to look at any story of what i think is true and that's the skill. If one can move out of the conspiratorial, like that, you got to go through that. If you're going to begin to see life as it is, you got to go through, like, well, what I thought was true isn't true. There's more to it. There's another way of looking at it. But if you get stuck there, it's just like what you're saying. You get stuck there. The, the purpose of it is to learn the skill of the power of narratives, power of ancient narratives, and how that and then actually experience how when your narrative changes, like so does your life experience. Then you gotta take that and apply it in the way which you want to apply it. And what you said makes is, is such a beautiful way of stating it, which is when you begin to like apply it to like, oh, there's more going on, there's another story to my landscape, to my background, to where I was born, to where I'm actually living, well, then you begin 
to be grounded outside of like the uh, outside of the cultural conspiracies. Like I mean, the whole sort of general island stuff. There's a truth to it, but if you stay into it, you're moving into like the the next financial system, which isn't controlled by the oligarchs. Like you're you're still living that that story. If you can move out of that, you realize you can move be carried by a greater narrative, a more grounded narrative, which the other ones are built upon, that's how we actually use these, this, 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 this thing, this dance that we're doing into a way that, that behooves us, that enhances our human experience, while also, but to me, which is important at this moment, which is also creating a 